This is episode number 205 with data science influencer and author Kate Strashny. Welcome to the Super Data Science Podcast. My name is Kirill Eremenko, data science coach and lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you inspiring people and ideas to help you build your successful career in data science. Thanks for being here today. And now let's make the complex simple. Welcome to the Super Data Science Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Super excited to have you back here today. And we've got a very exciting guest joining us for today's episode, Kate Strashny. Kate is a data science influencer and a data science author. So what will we be talking about in this episode? Well, you will find out all about Kate's journey from working at a bagel store to becoming a data science influencer with over 30,000 followers worldwide and publishing books and creating video podcasts and massively contributing to the data science community. You also, we'll also talk about connecting the dots and looking back at how this journey unraveled and how Kate's career took her to different places and how she ended up working at Deloitte and rolling out data science tools company-wide. Uh, you'll learn about her work with Tableau, creating self-serve analytics tools and creating a culture of data science within organizations. Also, we'll talk about the three books, uh, one which you can already get, which is called Journey to Data Scientist and two new books that Kate is already working on, The Disruptors, Data Science Leaders and mothers of data science. So you'll learn all of that and much, much more. Can't wait for you to check this episode out. It's going to be a great and fun ride. So buckle up and here we go. Without further ado, I bring to you Kate Strashny, data science influencer and author. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Super Data Science Podcast. Very excited to have you on the show today. And today we have a super exciting guest with us, Kate Strashny. How are you going, Kate, today? Doing excellent. Thank you so much for having me here. Very excited to have you because uh, you have your own podcast. Is that correct? Yes, it's a video interview podcast called Humans of data science, which uh, is hosted on YouTube under the Story by Data channel. That's that's so awesome. And so how does it feel to be on the other side now, being the it guest? It feels great. I get to talk about myself now, so I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> that's so cool. That's so cool. And uh, and I got to come on your show at some point as well to, to do the opposite, that you'll be interviewing me. Yes. That's so cool. And um, yeah, so... Kate, you are a, not just do you have your own podcast, you're a major, well, in my view, you're a major influencer in the space of data science. You have a book that you've published, another two that you're working on are going to be published very soon. And I had the uh, honor of uh, reading one of them and uh, giving you my comments on that, and uh, which I really enjoyed, really liked, uh, The Disruptors, I believe it was called, Disruptors of Data Science. Um, yes. And uh, you have a you're actually influencing people. You have uh, all, almost 30,000 followers on LinkedIn, people who are 
listening to what you're saying, listening to your tips, advice in the space of data science, what's happening in the field. So very, very excited about this podcast uh, and can't wait to see where this, this, will, this will take us uh, in, in uh, today's conversation. How are you feeling about today's session? I'm excited. I've been looking forward to this, so thank you. Awesome. Okay, well, to start us off, how would you describe who you are and what you do to somebody who you meet for the first time? Um, I usually tell them I make pretty pictures with complicated data. I think <laughs> that goes with most people. Um, but I usually tell them I use you know some kind of tool to take complex data from different data sources and try to help business leaders make decisions quickly. Mm-hmm. That's how I describe it. Mm-hmm. Okay, and uh, um, that, that's probably a very succinct de- description of what uh, data visualization is all about. And uh, wh- which uh, company do you work for at the, at the moment? So I'm currently at Deloitte & Touche, and I've been there for a little over seven years now. Mm-hmm. In New York, right? Uh, in New York, but I'm currently based from home, so I don't actually have to go to any office. I'm sitting in my bedroom as we speak. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, and looking after your two wonderful kids, you said two and four years old, right? Yes, I have two girls, age two, and one that just turned four last weekend. That's so cool. Um, I wanted to also say, did you know that I worked at Deloitte as well? No, I actually did not, did not know that. Well, yeah, I worked at Deloitte, but not in New York, in Australia, in, in Brisbane. So, um, yeah, I only lasted two years. How like <laughs> I really felt like after two years that... Um, like I've learned what I wanted to learn and it's time for me to, to move on. Like I'm, I admire very much people who, um, as, you know, like do many years in consulting. I have a friend who did 10 years at Deloitte. Also actually a lot of final years were in New York. Um, tell us about like your journey. Like how, how, um, how did you get into Deloitte? How did you get into the space of, uh, consulting and data science? Yeah, sure. So it actually started out, I started my career after graduating with a finance degree. I started working for an organization called GARP. So it's the Global Association of Risk Professionals, which basically tried to promote um, best practices in risk management, mainly for financial services institutions. So my job was to use LinkedIn or something to try and find chief risk officers and then pitch our training services to them in which I met uh, a chief risk officer of Bank Lumi. And as I was pitching him, we actually got to talking and we built a relationship. And a few weeks after that, he told me he was looking to hire somebody. So my previous career was actually in risk management. Mm. Uh, so I, I went from GARP, I started working for this bank and I had a blog, I, I guess I still have it, I'm just not active, called riskarticles.com. Um, which some some recruiter from Deloitte actually picked it up and said, wow, you must really love risk management that you just have this blog and you continue to write there. And they called me in for an interview. So at that point, I had no idea that I would ever actually get to work for Deloitte. I had, I guess, not low self-esteem, but I just never thought of myself as working as, you know, as one of the big four consulting companies. Mm-hmm. Um so I ended up getting the job and working in risk management. So I can, I can see what you mean that, you know, you only lasted two years because mm-hmm. working in client service can be difficult. Um, 
it, it does require a lot of travel and usually nights, weekends, every night and every weekend, at least for me, was the case. Mm-hmm. So what happened when I had my first child was I, I couldn't imagine continuing on with this type of schedule and not, not being able to see my daughter. So I asked them if there was another alternative or, you know, I was also looking outside of the firm to find something that I can work remotely even, you know, one or two days a week to, you know, get more balance. And what happened was they needed a role for their CIO program. So this chief information officer program, Mm -hmm. they said it was going to be a role for an inside strategy manager, which at that point I had no clue what it meant, but they said, it'll keep me home for most of the the month. I think I had to come in once a month to the city. Mm -hmm. I'm like, whatever it is, I will do it. Lucky for me, it was uh, analyzing data using Tableau. So they basically gave me their whole Salesforce database and they said, here's Tableau, which was the first time I've ever seen it. And they said, go ahead and give me insights. And that was my first introduction. And I guess when I fell in love with data visualization, So that, that's kind of the journey. And I think that's why I've lasted so long, because for the past four years or so, I've been working remotely um, in, in an internal role. So my client is Deloitte versus the actual clients like the banks that I worked for that were you know, more demanding in terms of being on location and then working longer hours. Mm. Wow, what a random like journey. You, you, know, you started out in one area, uh, you know, uh, risk professionals and finding clients and like being in the sales side of things and then uh, you, instead of <laughs> instead of you pitching to that uh, uh, risk officer in Bank Lumi, it happened the other way around. He pitched to you, or they pitched to you to get you into the bank. Then yeah. through your blog, you got into Deloitte. And like through a blog, you kept somebody from Deloitte randomly saw it and got, and they got into Deloitte. And and there, through uh, having you know children and uh, looking for a more uh, rela- laid back role you discovered data visualization. How yes. crazy is that? It, it is crazy. And it actually helped me further down the line because the CIO program is meant for, it's kind of like a rotational thing. So they want new faces in every year or two. Mm-hmm. So after I think a year and a half of being in that program, it was time for me to go back to client work, which at that point, I think I was already having my second kid. And I'm like, no, wait. <laughs> So what happened there was I started looking for another internal role and it's a group that sits closely with the uh, chief executive officer of Deloitte's advisory side. They needed a person. So I I signed up to, to go to that group and lucky for me, they were using a lot of spreadsheets to track all their data and they didn't really have any reporting or dashboarding or any kind of insights into what's happening with their data. So me, with my knowledge of Tableau at that point, I was able to just take all their data and quickly throw some charts together. And at that point, the CEO saw it and he, he's like, I want this everywhere. So we started rolling out Tableau um, pretty widely in the firm because it was just so much easier for, for the executives to see what's happening behind the scenes. Wow, that's so cool. Tableau must love you. You must be one of the best advocates. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we had some calls with them. They, I think, they're happy with how things are going. <laughs> uh, yeah, because Deloitte's such a such a massive company to get them on board with a tool like that. That's really that's a big win for Tableau. I guess win win. Tableau is a great tool. So yes, it really is. Mm. 
Awesome, awesome. That's it's very exciting to hear. And how did you get into the space of like? I can understand that journey, like lots of random coincidences, and it actually reminded me of uh, what Steve Jobs said at his Stanford speech. One of the three points he mentioned was connecting the dots. That, like looking forward, impossible to connect the dots. You know, why did you, for instance, go to Bank Lumi, or why did you start the blog? You know, what, what, how that's going to play out in your life. But looking back, it's so easy to connect the dots. You're right. Like you, we just did that, right? Like we just looked at how everything worked worked out to get to you where you are. But my question was um, th- that part. Like w- we thank you for for describing that very exciting journey, but. What I wanted to see is how did you get into the space of sharing your expertise and journey in data science and becoming an influencer in the space of data science uh, in link- on LinkedIn and on Twitter uh, and generally on social media and you know write- even writing books? What what uh, what gave you that push? Well, I think in- intrinsically that's just how I am. So when I was still in that risk management space, the reason behind starting that blog was one because I so I was given something to do right. They said, read this regulation and see if it applies to the bank and let's do some risk assessment. So I started Googling, obviously, when somebody tells you what to do, you Google, right, to see if there's your way to understand something. And I realized that there wasn't. Um, So I started trying to fill that gap with my blog Mm. to try to read it and then understand it. And then I I guess it, it was pretty useful to other people because I had several thousands of subscribers. And I think for the data side of things, it's very similar because I think when I learn something, I love to just teach others right away. It helps me understand it better. And then especially if I create videos, then if I forget how to do it, you know, I can always go back. But the whole being active on LinkedIn thing started, I think, at the end of last year when I set my goals for the year and I shared them on LinkedIn. I think I shared a picture of myself writing my goals by the fireplace. It was all so nice. And <laughs> so mm. I got some really positive feedback on that on that post that people were also, you know, interested in setting goals. And I think that positive affirmation that I received kind of kept me going. And the more I posted, the, the more positive feedback I got. Um, and I think it just pushed me further and further. I still don't think of myself as an influencer. I, I just like to say that I think out loud on LinkedIn because of my posts are, you know, I don't sit there thinking, what should I post today? Like there could be a week that I just don't post anything. And there could be a day that I post eight times just because things come to mind and I post them as I, as they come up. Mm. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's very, very interesting way of thinking about it. But all right, I can agree with that. But then writing books, do you, do you, is that how you write books as well? Just thinking out loud? No, well, so the, the first book, That Journey to Data Scientist, came out when I was um, thinking to become more focused on data. When, when I get my hands on something, I like to go like all in. So I decided that I would like to talk to actual data scientists from various countries and levels and ethnicities just to get an idea of you know, what did they do? Um, Do they like their job? How did they get their job? Just because I was curious. And as I started interviewing people, I decided that maybe this would be interesting for others because I did see a high um, interest from like aspiring data scientists or people who just want to do this for a living. So I thought that this could help others. And that's when I started making it into an actual book. Plus, I love writing. um, And it's just so much fun to publish your own book. It's kind of like 
having another little baby <laughs> go out into the world. <laughs> yeah, and so uh, how many how many people have you interviewed so far? Um, so for the book, it was over 20. So I think it was close to 25 people for that book. And it was just, like I said, people from random industries, random spaces, just to hear about their typical day, what did they like, what did they not like, what challenges did they have in becoming a data scientist. And I did receive plenty of feedback on you know, the fact that this book has helped others even make a decision whether or not they want to go into the space, because I know they call it the, the sexiest role of the 21st century, but I think the book uncovers some of the not sexy parts of the role, you know, that you're cleaning data for, you know, like 80% of the time. and. Um, just sometimes you work for, for days on something and then the, the decision maker says that they no longer need it. So, you know, just little nuances that people might not hear about that help them make that decision. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think that's very important for, for people to realize, like, it, it might be very tempting to jump into data science, but indeed, it's, it's not, like, I believe anybody can become a data science, but data scientist regardless of background but it really is not for everybody just based on personal preference somebody might not be that into the the field or that into the the whole ideology of get, getting insights from data and all of the um i guess different areas uh, of expertise that come with it that's you know like as you said that cleaning data is is probably an integral part of any kind of data science work that you do and a whole data science li uh, project life cycle and things like that. So, uh, what what is what is your f the feedback have, has been? What's been the feedback that you've been receiving? Like, uh, do you have like a ratio? You know, ninety percent, like nine to one, that people do believe data science is for them. One out of ten believes that it's not for them, or something like that. Um, so most of the people I talk to are really into data science. So I would say probably 90% of my network now on LinkedIn and Twitter is made up of people who are just so passionate about the data science space for one reason or another. Uh, I think they, the issue that they mostly run into is getting their first job. Hmm. So I think that's the one thing that's discouraging people right now is they're, you know, they're taking those online courses or actual courses in universities, but then they're, they're having issues bridging that gap between, you know, getting some experience to get your first job and then the jobs requiring you to have some experience before you get, before they hire you. So I think that's, that's the biggest gap I'm seeing. But most of the people, I would say, probably is like nine out of ten that feel very optimistically about the role. Hmm. Interesting. And so what, what is your, what would your advice be to people like that who uh, are listening to this podcast who are having trouble to bridge that gap and get their first uh, role in data science? Well, I would advise something that's always worked for me is just networking. Um, that's how I got my first role. So I graduated college in 2009. Uh, that's when the financial crisis was hitting the United States, especially the, the banking sector, which was my dream job at the time was with my finance degree was to go work for a bank. Mm. And the banks were under a hiring freeze and they were laying people off. So it was not, not a great time to be on the market. And I definitely remember being in that boat where I'm graduating and I mean, I had a job at a bagel store, right? <laughs> <laughs> a real job. Mm. So I was desperately looking and applying on sites, which to me felt like, and I think likely was the case that it was going into some black hole that was never actually looked by a person. 
Uh, so I keep submitting my resumes and writing those cover letters and nothing seemed to work. So I started networking. I used to go to these risk conferences. That's why I think your your data science conference is just awesome. It gets people in the room and actually networking and meeting people and face-to-face conversations, which is I think how you can actually build relationships. And that I, I met someone there who worked at GARP and that that's actually how I got the job was we just started talking and you know, obviously you can't just shake everyone's hand and say, hi, I'm looking for a job. Hey, I'm looking for a job. You know, <laughs> you have something to say and show your value in a different way and then somehow weave into the conversation when they ask you, what are you doing? You know, have them ask you first and then you can bring up the fact that you're you're actively searching or something and then tell them exactly what you want to do. Because mm. I think it's kind of a turnoff when, you know, somebody messages you and says, I want to work in data. They're mm-hmm. like, what? What do you want to do with data? The more specific you can get, the I think the closer you actually get to finding your role is first defining it. True, true. And um, we'll, we'll get to that in a second. I just wanted to also say it's really cool that you brought brought that up, the networking part. I, and to add to that, uh, like I would even go as far as like what you did, like start a blog in what you're doing, like in what you're passionate about, like data science, but like what kind of data science, what type of data science, and you know, share your your journey, share what you're learning on that blog. And then when you do go networking, instead of just saying, I'm looking for a job, you can, you know, share a business card with a link to your blog, or you can tell people about your blog, or you can show them your blog on your phone or something like that, and like get them, uh, show them that you're passionate about this space. And then they will want to hire you rather than you saying that you're looking for a job. Yes, I think it's definitely difficult when you've been looking for a job for eight months to not come off as, yes, I'll take desperate. But I think something that is important, and I definitely agree with the starting a blog and being active on social media to get your blog out there. People, when, when I tell them, you know, start a blog, they say something like, oh, I'm not a great writer. I don't think you have to be a great writer. I think people have their own unique way of writing. Just because you don't fit into the mold of like, you know, the person that you think is the perfect writer. I don't think of myself as a great writer, but mm. I enjoy writing, so I do. And if people don't like it, then, well, too bad, you know. Yeah, well, you can it's, always record videos or audio podcasts. There's all sorts of media. You can share yeah. images, right? You can go on the same Tableau Public and just post your visualizations there. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. So now let's let's continue that conversation. So you said um, before, like saying to somebody, "I want to work in data," is not good enough. You got to know what area of data you want to specialize in. Tell us a bit about that. Like, what are some of the main areas of data jobs that you identify where people can uh, build their professions and work? Sure. I think it helps if you walk through the data science process and then think about which area you know, you're like to work in or that you're good at or which area excites you, which in my case is kind of towards the end of the process is the data visualization. But if you're into you know, coding and data cleaning, then you can start looking for specific roles that require those responsibilities. Um, so I think looking at the data science process, but in terms of data-related roles, there there are quite a number of them. I mean, there's data engineering, there's natural data scientists, there are programmers. So I think it's the working as a data scientist, you're no longer expected to be 
the unicorn where you're a master of all trades and you're coding in every language and you're proficient in absolute everything because now it's more common to work as a team in a data science in an environment as a data scientist and so i think thinking through the data science process and then which part of which segment of the team you'd like to be once you define that i think just focusing your efforts on building that skill set along with just getting an understanding of the rest of the process because i do think understanding it is so important so you just know how the up and downstream work actually impacts each other but you no longer have to be like an expert in everything so just picking that niche i think really helps okay interesting and uh but would you say like in order to progress in your data science career and like become and a senior data scientist, maybe a data science manager, would you say in that case you do need to know the whole spectrum of things or can you still just be specialized in one specific area like data cleaning or visualization? I think as a manager, you well, one, you have to know how to manage people effectively, which is a thing in itself. You have to understand you know, the domain, industry, the business. I don't think you have to be a master in all those areas, but like I said before, I think you do have to have a very good understanding of all of the other pieces. So like if, you, if you've never seen code before, I don't think you could be a data scientist. I think you have to understand what's possible in different programs and you have to be the leader of the team. So you do have to have that understanding. Okay, gotcha. All right, well, that's, that's a great overview. Um, and oh, before we jump into the, the technical side of, well, more or less technical um, side of things on this podcast, uh, while we're on the topic of networking, I wanted to say to our listeners that we got some exciting news. Uh, Kate, uh, you're joining us for Data Science Go 2019 as a speaker. Yes, I'm so excited about that. I'm so excited. It's, 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 we really wanted to have you on in Data Science Go 2018, uh, but like... Um, uh, it's obviously you've got small children and it's a bit difficult right now, but really hope that we'll see you in Data Science Go 2018. Very pumped about that. Um, do you already know what you're going to be speaking about? I know it's like a year away, but any ideas? Probably something related to data visualization best practices or maybe the fact that being product agnostic is a, is a powerful differentiator at this point so you know not being married to a tool like tableau or click and being able to kind of deliver to the client whatever they need in whichever format they need it or maybe about something about one of the books i'm writing it's possibilities are endless <laughs> that's awesome that's awesome um well very much looking forward to seeing you there and actually um speaking of click you just recently posted a uh, on linkedin about trying click view i think it was for the first time how, how did that go for you yeah, I tried Click and Power BI. So as you know, I'm, I'm usually using Tableau and I've become quite proficient in it, but I decided, um, I actually didn't decide. It happened when I was asked to do a training for a company for Tableau. And a few days prior to the training date, to which I agreed to do the training, they said, by the way, the client can no longer use Tableau, they're not gonna use Click. <laughs> Like, wow. I've never seen Click in my life. <laughs> so I had to get up to speed. And I think that's what makes being a product agnostic powerful is just being able to pick something up. And I think once you learn one tool, it gets easier to pick up another tool. It's just, you know, learning where everything is. Um, so that was my little wake up call. But 
to give my feedback on the actual tools, I think they're all special in their own ways. I'm still a lot more comfortable with Tableau just because I know where everything is. Mm -hmm. uh, but one differentiator, I, I actually spoke to one of the leaders at the Click, Click company, and he said that there's this powerful engine that they have that helps with preparing the data and kind of blending all the data sources in clicks. That's something I think that Tableau is working on right now. Maybe they, they've addressed that with the Tableau prep, um, which is that new feature that came out, which I haven't had time to play with. But that was the only big differentiator I saw so far was that engine that's able to massage the data sources inside of it. Mm. Okay. Okay. Very interesting. Um, well, let's talk a bit more about Tableau then. Uh, this is a, a tool that you discovered at Deloitte. How, how long ago did you discover Tableau? About four years ago, maybe a little more than that. Mm -hmm. And how long did it take you to get up to speed with Tableau where you can actually provide insightful visualizations and create business value? Um, so funny story about that. When I just joined the, that CIO program and they gave me the data, they also put me into Deloitte Technology Nerve Center. So it's basically this, like, nerd or nerve, nerve, like, um, like, right. like the nervous system, like not the, not with a D, not the nerd. <laughs> that would have been funnier. <laughs> yeah, it's nerve center, and um, they gave me a project which I thought was meant to train me because they said, you know, spend some time in the nerve center and get up to speed. So they gave me this really cool project, and I started working through it, and and then. I thought like I had all the time in the world because I assumed it was a training data set. And then they told me that, no, this is actually going to be whatever you're building will be used for every single onboarding, hiring training across the United States. Wow. I'm like, oh, shoot. So I have to take this seriously. So, um, so I, it, I had to get up to speed pretty quickly. I think it took me like a week and a half of just learning the ropes and, and, and the formatting and everything. So it was really, really easy to pick up and... There are plenty of sources on Tableau's community sites. So I would say probably a week and a half to two weeks to really pick it up and then maybe a few more months to get on top of all of the very custom formatting options, like the, the color palettes, you know, just getting it to look um, crisp and mm -hmm. pretty. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's that's what I love about Tableau. Like for, for our listeners out there, uh, one... You heard that right, like one to two weeks. That's how long it takes you to get to Tableau, I would say like intermediate level, um, level where you can actually build stuff that businesses will use. That's really, really cool tool, really powerful. And then one more two or one or two more months to get to a highly proficient level. And that's that's incredible. Like sometimes, you know, like some um, some tools, I don't know, like let's say C++ coding and object-oriented programming, that'll take you a good three to maybe six months to actually learn and master and create apps and stuff like that. With the way technology has progressed, tools like Tableau and, and Click and Power BI and others in that space, it's all drag and drop and you can really harness the power of visualization so quickly. By the way, Kate, like uh, in terms of visualization, I personally identify two types of visualization. Visualization for data mining, where you gra grab the data and then you just like look at it and use a visualization tool rather than to produce 
visuals. You use it to extract insights for yourself for better understanding the data, to, to actually see the data. And mm-hmm. the second type would be the visualization proper, where you create visualizations so that you can uh, share them with people, present them, and so on. Um, would you agree with that uh, dif- differentiation that, of the two types of visualization, or, or what would your categorization be? Yes, I definitely agree. So I, I call it one is exploration and the other one is presentation. So on where I'm exploring the data or even giving somebody else the ability to explore the data with you know, filters or parameters, um, that's usually safe for different members of my team instead of like the leaders, though they would get the presentation view of it where it's published and they can, you know, just print it to PDF, which is what they mostly want to do, unfortunately, because <laughs> um, that's just what they're used to. And they're like, can you put this in the PowerPoint? Like, oh my goodness, that defeats the whole purpose. I mean, you can actually click on things and drill down and hover, but that's, that's the case with, um, I would say probably a little less than half of the, the audiences, you know, they want to see a static version of it which is the presentation and then some actually explore and drill down and you know see see all the details which is the exploration mm-hmm. and uh, is there anything you're doing to address that statistic that 40 percent or 45 percent of the audience there they want static visualization is there anything that you're doing and that people like we can do as a community to help educate people on interactivity like in essence we're talking about self-serve analytics here right that once you give people interactive visualizations you empower them to do their own analytics but if they then go take a step back or like 10 steps back and actually print it out and you know just look at the static version it defeats the purpose like what what can we do as a what do you think we can do as a community to help progress that like move the envelope in that space I think it is an education thing. I think people are intimidated by new tools or new whatever, right? So I think just letting them do it while you're watching or something, because once you start opening up a web page and clicking through stuff, some people, believe it or not, like they still get intimidated because they don't know, you know, if they click into a Tableau map once and it zooms in, they're like, okay, now the data is all broken. Like they, they get out if, if you can't on zoom or it, it definitely is an education demonstration type of thing where you can show them that you know you can get to your data quicker and you can actually drill down and show them those capabilities so i think over time we'll, we'll get closer and closer because in the beginning everybody was against it so now the 40 percent i think is is a bit better statistic now well hopefully that will get better just better and better with time um and Probably the next thing I wanted to ask you, what, what are your thoughts on the future of visualization? Do you think that um, with time, uh, visualization is going to maintain its um, necessity? Like people are going to still be using visualization or is it going to become kind of like more automated and uh, machines are going to be doing it? I do think we're moving towards the machines are doing it, but I, I think it will always be necessary to have some human um, interaction with it just to kind of do a sanity check or make sure, you know, the computer can show you whatever the data is showing you, but I think you still need a human and probably will need for quite some time to know if it, if it makes sense, you know, that like, especially relating it to the business, but I, I agree. I think, Tools like Tableau might evolve or maybe a new tool will come in 
where you upload data and it'll just give you a dashboard. I think there are some tools that can already get close to that. They can give you, give you like a newspaper article based on a data set. Um, I forgot what the name of that tool was, but somebody demoed it for me once where you upload your data and then it spits out like a PowerPoint presentation or a news article or PDF of a summary or builds like an annual report for a company based on the financials that you've uploaded. It will just write like the profits from last quarter have gone down by 2% and like category XYZ went up and it just can give you like a, an, an essay form of your data analysis plus the pictures, which is, you know, getting easier and easier for the computers to build. Okay. Well, well very interesting. You, you, you need, obviously, well, kind of like even to me, it feels like you need a human to double check. Is, are those, all those insights correct, right? Like it, mm-hmm. it kind of still feels that a machine would easily make a mistake somewhere there. Don't, don't you think? Yes, I agree. All right. So next thing that I would like to ask you, Kate, is about your um, humans of data science. So as and more also about like your whole podcast and books and how you go about these things. So to start off with, when as humans of data science, you've interviewed quite a lot of people, and uh, I think you mentioned it was like close to forty people or so. What are some of the most eccentric things that you've learned from your guests on the show? Yes, so at this point, we're, I think, a little bit over 40 interviews um, with another 300 or so that are currently on the list that are pending to be interviewed. So I need to make make more of these videos every week. Uh, but every interview that I've had so far has been really special and unique in its own way. I, I find that in my attempt to get to know the human side of data science, I actually end up learning a lot from these individuals because they've all come from you know, different backgrounds, different industries, different countries in some cases. And the way they openly share their experiences and provide advice to you know, the incoming aspiring data scientists or even the existing data scientists is, is really inspiring. I think a, a few that have stood out for me was there was a Fabio Vasquez that I'm not sure if you had him on your podcast yet. I know he's speaking at your your conference in the next few weeks. Yep. Yep. And he ju- his episode was just released like a couple of weeks ago as well. Okay. Yes. I have to watch that. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. The funny, funny thing there was that we actually had him sing the national anthem for Venezuela, where the country that he is originally from. So I thought, I thought that was really fun. And it's always interesting when you get to see kind of the personal side of the people that you're usually interacting with in one way or another on social media, you know, you might like each other's posts or comment or even, you know, get to the point where you're messaging. But I think seeing them almost in person, you know, on camera is just getting you that much closer to getting to know each other. Mm, yeah, yeah, definitely. That five years are really, really cool guy. Uh, didn't, he didn't sing anything on the Super Day Science podcast, but uh, I'll definitely bring it up when we were chatting. Uh, with him that he sang <laughs> on your podcast that's such a cool thing okay and, yeah. and how about in the space of um like data science what is the most memorable comment experience or tip that you heard from one of your guests 
Um, oh my God, there are so many that are mm, that come to mind. Well, I, I think the one thing that came across from from everyone is that they're all really, really excited to continue learning in this space, mm. and that they're super passionate about data and about learning and about continuing to advance their skill sets. In terms of actual data science content, we try not to get too deep into the technical side of things, kind of not to lose the audience. We give them you know, just enough to tease out some kind of interesting either tool like software or algorithm program or you know, some specific project that they're working on. Um, JT Kosman, I remember, had, had a few interesting things to talk about. I think he was talking about AI and how it impacts our future. They're all just really interesting. If, if people have time to check them out, definitely do that. It's storybydata.com. I have a, a link there for all the humans of data science videos that were completed. Awesome. Awesome. The, yeah, also highly recommend, especially like there's quite a bit of overlap between our shows, Super Data Science mm -hmm. Podcast and Humans of Data Science. So if there's somebody you like on Super Data Science, then you there's a chance you'll find them on Humans of Data Science and you can actually watch another interview from there and vice versa. So yeah, this is, this is a great resource. <laughs> we, we should collaborate more, Kate. This is awesome. Yes. Um, okay, and then the other thing I wanted to ask you is books, right? Like you are a brave warrior in my eyes. Like I've written one book and I feel like never again, <laughs> you know, never say never. <laughs> But I feel like it's it's such a demanding task. You, on the other hand, you just finished one book, um, which was released recently, uh, Journey to Data Scientist. And right away, like before you know it, like before I could even blink, Kate is already writing not one, but two books. And you're writing Disruptors uh, in Data. And you're also writing... If, may, I, may I mention this third book? Because I don't know if... Yes, you're... of course. Okay, you're writing uh, Mothers of Data Science. Is that correct? Is that the title? Yes, that's exactly it. That's the working title. We might change it, but at this point... So the, the third one you just mentioned, I'm co-authoring with Kristen Kerr. Kristen Kerr. Um, oh, I, still, I still have to have her on the podcast. That's definitely a guest who I'm looking forward to talking to. Um, yes, yes, so you should. But like exciting, right? Like... Uh, tell us like how why <laughs> where do you get the inspiration <laughs> courage and and how like and and we'll dive a bit more into the what each book is about but let's start off there like why why uh did you continue to write to to continue to go to on to two more books after your first one sure i think it's it's hard for me to contain my excitement about the data science space and i get so many ideas every single day about the potential of what I could do and write this blog post and this and this and it just I I happen to just do whatever comes to mind and then I uh, I was talking to Rico about this it was I forgot the way he called it but it was kind of like commit yourself first uh, oh reckless a, reckless commitment reckless that's what it was commitment, yeah yes you commit yourself first and then you follow through so that's I tend like... to do that. that's like his trademark because that's what his yeah. show was on our podcast and. And uh, the way like I kind of think about it now is um, there's a saying, if you want to take the island, burn the boats, right? Like yes. you have to put yourself in a position where there's no turning back and then you're much more likely to accomplish your goal. 
Absolutely. And I carry that with me in, in all aspects of my life. I mean, I love to share my goals publicly. So when I announced that, like yesterday, I think I announced I'm doing a thousand push-ups in the month of October or I'm running the marathon or here's like I'm running 20 miles. Once I announce it, I feel like I no longer have a choice in the matter and it must get done. Mm-hmm. So that brings me to the books. When I get excited about a topic, I always try to make it public in order to give myself that sense of commitment. And then I end up scrambling for time to follow through. But the the good thing with books is you kind of, you know, especially if you're self-published like I do, you set your own deadlines and, you know, you can move things a week or two if you if you had to. So it's a little bit easier to manage. Um, but to answer your question, why am I doing uh-huh. it? I, I just... I love getting to know people and I feel like the people I get to know and I have these conversations, I want to share it with other people because there's just so much value and insights that I learned that I, I just love sharing it with, with the rest of the world. And a book is just a great way to do that. Sharing is caring. Yes. Yeah. You're definitely caring for uh, the people that are also aspiring to learn data science, just like you. Um, on that, and speaking of books, I wanted to ask you, like, um, sometimes when I read a book, I, you know, I, I try to take away as much as possible. But given the amount of books that's out there, amount of information, sometimes I'm even just like looking back and trying to remember a book that I read. Like, I try to even remember, okay, what's the one biggest takeaway I got from that book? And if I can remember that, that that's already a success. If I can remember more, that's that's even better. So, mm-hmm. in the case of your three books, um, would you mind sharing with us, what would you say for each one of the three books would be the biggest takeaway that a person can learn and remember and you know, for the rest of their lives? What, if, if there was one takeaway for each one of your books, what would you want mm-hmm. it to be? Sure. Um, I think so. Starting with the one that's already published, the journey to data scientist, the takeaway there is so I interviewed over 20 people and asked them um, one question that I think I had in common for all the individuals was, how did you get started in this space? And basically, everyone came from very different backgrounds and had very different journeys into this data science role. But they all share a few things in common, like they're they're really curious about the field and it's just like this inquisitiveness that I think drives their whole career. But the, the big takeaway there is it doesn't matter where you are now, you can still get to where you want to be and there's no clear cut path because as the book highlights, everyone has taken a different path. Some have started, you know, as working at, at a retail store or just, you know, some have actually gone down the... I guess, the more direct path of getting a PhD in this space and then going to work as a data scientist. But that's really the takeaway is that you can you can do it from wherever, whichever point you start. You just have to put in the work. Awesome. Okay, so that's Journey to Data Scientist uh, by Kate Strachny. <laughs> what's, <Yeah>. what's, <laughs> the, what's the takeaway from Disruptors? So the Disruptors is really highlighting the data science leaders and it attempts to show the world, the power of data. And there is a big underlying discussion about the data ethics, um, data science ethics, or just how data is used in, um, you know, across different industries and how it impacts people. And the fact that 
algorithms might ignore the individual as they probably should not mm -hmm. uh, because it, it really impacts individuals and, you know, just being cautious with how your data is used and educating the common public about how their data is used and all of that, all the stuff that goes with it. Uh, there, there are definitely a lot more stories in there, but I think that's just one common thread that, that pulled through all the 10, 10 conversations that I've had for that book. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I can see. And, uh, yeah, very, very interesting. And uh, like from what I read, because I read uh, uh, the, the sample chapters for your book, that um, like I felt submerged when I was reading that. But I think it's very well structured in terms of how you put your narration with the comments. Uh, so there's a, there's a little shameless plug for your book. Anybody, anybody <laughs> considering learning from some of the top data scientists in the world, this, this is a great place to start. Okay. Thank you. No, thank you. And uh, the third book, uh, which is uh, yet to come, uh, Mothers of Data Science. Um, what inspired you to do that? And uh, and what would be that one takeaway from there? Um, okay, so what inspired me, this actually came about probably a week and a half ago that I decided to write this book. And I thanked uh, Kristen on Facebook and I said, hey, do you want to write a book with me, Mothers of Data Science? And she's like, sure. Yeah, let's do it. And Kristen's also uh, a mother? <laughs> Kristen's a mother, yeah. She also has two kids. They uh -huh. are similar in age to, to my kids. I think a bit younger. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so we decided that we're going to write this book to mostly inspire women to get into this field. Mm -hmm. The reason we went with mothers is just this, there's this added level of complexity. I think motherhood brings to mm -hmm. pretty much any profession or anything you want to do ever. Yeah. <laughs> Because you have to factor in those extra extra steps of you know responsibilities of motherhood. Mm -hmm. So the the message for that book is that you know women should step forward into this career. It's a great career. I've benefited greatly from the flexibility that it has provided me. I think we spoke about this earlier mm -hmm. in the discussion in our in the podcast where you know when I decided that I needed to work from home. That's actually when I started working with data and that's what enabled me to continue with my flexible work style till now. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. And, uh, the, and very, very inspiring. I think this, this will be a very inspiring book for, as you said, not just mothers, but women in general in the space of data. And that's, that's what we need to, um, enhance this diversity situation to improve the diversity situation remove that gap um for for more people to be able to get into this amazing profession just like you did so very very inspiring and uh what are the timelines on your books i know you already self-published the first one when are the second and third ones coming out so the second one should come out probably next month there's uh, i'm working with an editor right now that going to take a final review once I've received approval for each chapter from the data science leaders. So it's getting very, very close. And I'm at the point where I can't wait to publish it. But at the same time, I want to make it perfect. So I don't want to publish it. <laughs> so it's that, that, that final race to the finish line. Um, yeah. So this year, and surprisingly, the third book is also slated to come out sometime this year. Kristen and I are pushing full speed ahead. We're interviewing... Wow. 
eight amazing mothers just this week. So starting tomorrow, I think we have four or five interviews wow. in one day. Yes, we cannot wait. <laughs> We're both really excited. That's so cool. So some people can get these books for their um, colleagues and friends as Christmas presents then. That's the plan. That's actually what we spoke about. <laughs> oh, awesome. Awesome. That's so cool. Um, and, you know, even if somebody's listening to this after Christmas, you can get it as a New Year's resolution. That's also a good, good gift. Or Mother's Day present. Yeah. Know, that's <laughs> <the best laughs> yeah, that's the best. That's the best part. <laughs> oh, awesome. Okay. Well, um, thanks. Thanks so much, Kate. We're uh, slowly getting, we've slowly gotten to the end of the podcast. It's been, uh, <laughs> it's been a, a great, great uh, fun uh, chat. Before we uh, wrap up, can you tell us where our listeners can get in touch with you and follow you and get more insights about your career and amazing podcasts and books and other things that you get into? Sure. Well, I'm. it's pretty much easier to contact me on LinkedIn. I'm pretty active there, but I'm happy to share my, my email, which is kate at storybydata.com. Mm-hmm. The website or blog that I'm going to spend a lot more time writing on is also called storybydata.com. And on Twitter, you can find me at, at storybydata. So pretty much all things storybydata is awesome. where you can find me. Awesome. Thanks so much. And and I, I would encourage anybody listening, if you have an interesting story of how you got into data science and how your career has been progressing, uh, reach out to Kate and you know she's yes she's got uh, Kate's got a list of 300 people she's yet to interview but um, why why not give it a shot and maybe you will be featured on her podcast or maybe her seventh book <laughs> once you get there <laughs> yes oh, awesome awesome okay well thanks so much Kate very very exciting times we'll share all the links in the show notes and I personally can't wait and very much look forward to meeting you uh, finally in person at uh, DataSense Go 2019 next year. Yes, I'm really looking forward to that as well. And thank you for having me on the show. Awesome. Well, have a good day. Bye. Thanks. Bye. So there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. That was Kate Strashny, data science influencer and author. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. And uh, to recap, uh, I'm going to list the books that Kate has published or is working on currently so you can look out for them. So the one that's currently already published is called Journey to Data Scientist and you can already pick it up on Amazon. And the two books that she's working on at the moment are The Disruptors, Data Science Leaders and Mothers of Data Science. Um, another thing that uh, Kate asked me to mention is that she has a Tableau course on Udemy. So if you'd like to check that out, it's called Tableau Visual Best Practices from Good to Great. I will include a link on, in the show notes. So if you are a um, fan of Kate's work and if you would like to learn from her directly, then you can check out that course, uh, Tableau Best Visual Best Practices from Good to Great on Udemy. Also look out for more content coming from Kate. Make sure to follow her on LinkedIn and in other uh, social media and see what she will be up to in the near future. Uh, you can get all the show notes with the links, with the items discussed uh, on the show, plus uh, the transcript for this episode at www.superdayscience.com slash 
205. That's superdayascience.com slash 205. So make sure to go there and click on Kate's LinkedIn and follow her so you can stay up to date. On that note, thank you so much for being here today. I really appreciate you spending this hour with us and I look forward to seeing you back here next time. Until then, happy analyzing.